This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering Ipswich Town since 2015. I'm Richard Woodard and you're tuning in to the pre-match show in partnership with our friends at the Greyhound Pub in Ipswich. This is the Gillingham at Home edition and joining me to talk about that and plenty more is Joe Fairs. And Joe, I think this might be your pre-match show debut, as weird as that sounds. How are you, by the way? Yeah, I'm good. And it is my it is my pre-match show debut. I've been gagging to get on to deliver some room 101s but uh, haven't, ha- haven't had the nod so far and now i've missed out no i don't worry we'll bring it back for you we'll do kind of we'll, maybe we'll get a we'll have a pile on episode and let everyone have a room 101 and the the room 101 to rule them all looking resplendent i have to say in is that a 1920 goalkeeper jersey yes it is a green one i, I assumed we wore it when we played gillingham that year but i did actually just watch the video back and we didn't so oh damn it who knows but <laughs> the there wasn't there was an attempt to to sort of try and fit in but it didn't work no well that's okay well we appreciate that any any football shirt going on is is good with us um and um it, it's the shirt where they figured out the magical vegas logo needs to be in monochrome rather than color as well so they learned their lesson from the awful 1819 shirt uh, let's do some bits and pieces of news and worth um talking about the end of the transfer window I, you were um, watching from afar on the pre-match show on Wednesday night um, and chipping in. Do you want to give us, what was your score again out of 10 for the transfer window? I didn't I didn't actually give one, but I'd say, yeah, sort of six, seven out of 10, average, really. I don't think it, yeah. I don't think anyone could say it's a brilliant window or, and I don't think anyone could say it's a poor window. I think we got some good business done and listening to sort of Kieran McKenna's quotes today, he's, he's talking about how we felt the squad was too big and it was hard to manage and that there was sort of players here that weren't, getting involved we didn't put an offer in apparently for Jay Matete we were happy with what we had and when you see that we've effectively got Kenlock, Enciala, Nolan, Fraser, Harper out the door whether it's and obviously Holy and I'm sure there's a couple of others I'm forgetting but players that just weren't getting close to the 18 that we've got available and I think we're down to about sort of we've gone down from about 27 outfield players to 22 and that, that does feel much more manageable as a as a squad when, when Cook came in last year he said the squad was too big and then really it ended up back in exactly the same position after after the first window so it is good that we have trimmed that down a bit and I think I think that was the, what was needed and some interesting quotes from McKenna on the day of recording which is it's just Thursday around Scott Fraser and Tyree Simpson, your reflections on on those? Yeah, Scott Fraser. Um, he, he, he's basically said that Fraser wanted to be the main man here, and it was him pushing for the move. And sort of on the TWT message board earlier, Phil Ham said the sort of the reason it seemed like it was him pushing for the move because all the stories were being released in the Scottish press, where why is sort of Swansea being linked with an Ipswich midfielder being released in the Scottish press when he's not even an international, I don't think, up there. It's And I guess that's where his agent was and that's where they were able to get their stories out. And But I, I say, I, th- I think some people have 
take that in a way like, oh, he didn't want to stay and fight for his place. He wanted out. But for me, the move hadn't worked for him. And I, I, I don't see a route to him getting enough games over the next, by the end of the season for, for it to work for him. And yeah, he's, like I say, we've all seen some flashes of quality from him. I, I don't think I've seen enough from him personally to worry about losing him. And like I say, if he goes on and does well at Charlton, I don't think any Ipswich fan would be surprised. And I don't think any Ipswich fan would, would have been surprised had he stayed here and eventually done well here. But it's, it's just one of those where the move hadn't worked out. We signed him quite early on. Then all of a sudden it followed a Luca, Salino, a Luca and Salino, or a, Lu- a Luco and Luca, Salino, yeah. and Chaplin all followed. And maybe these were players we didn't think we'd get. And he, there's just sort of no role in, in the team for him there. And sort of the other interesting one, which has been sort of something in the transfer window, which maybe it hasn't been handled best, we don't really know, but it's Tyree Simpson being brought back from Swindon because there's a contractual issue. And now he still hasn't signed a contract for whatever reason. And he's basically. Not not really going to be involved. It said he's trained with the first team a couple of times and he's trained with the under-23s and he's going to get some minutes for the under-23s. They've actually got a game at Colchester in the stadium a Friday night. So there are t- that is a game that fans can go to if people listen to this on Friday as opposed to Saturday. But yeah, it's a, it's a shame for Tyrese. He's gone from sort of playing in League 2 to now having to go and play against the League 2 sides reserve team. But maybe, maybe, like I say, hopefully, hopefully he can rip it up in the under-23s and get involved with the first team here because I think we've seen some really good stuff from him over the last few months at Swindon and there's not many teenagers that get out and score sort of double figures of goals in half a season in League 2. It really is almost unheard of and it's uh, it's really important that we get him tied down and hopefully he can play a part here because he he does look a real real sort of difference maker. Yeah, and dare I say, if if playoffs start to drift away from us, there'll be opportunities for players to make to stake a claim for next season, won't they, who are maybe on the fringes at the moment. You know, we're talking about Joe Piggott. We'll talk more about him shortly as well, I'm sure. And there's um, also the option for sort of non-league loans. So I, know, I know that's a lower level than what he's been at with Swindon, but when you see like your sort of Wrexham, Stockport's, Chesterfield, the amount of money they're chucking about trying to get promoted, maybe if he, if he can't make a breakthrough here, he, we can just... He, he may get a chance at one, one of those clubs to get some more games. And I know it's a little bit of a backward step, but it's probably playing in the National League is going to be better than playing in the under-23s. Yep. Well, we'll see. Um, and it'll be interesting to see the lineup on Saturday, but we'll talk about that and whether he's involved there. But it's probably not. If he's if he's playing at Coley on Friday, then it's not, not happening, is it? So we'll keep a lookout for him. Um, we've got um, some two pre-record now bits of pieces of news. We'll speak to Kieran Stanley from... ITFC women after their um, excellent cup win at Newcastle and the next round draw and a game against MK Dons on Sunday. And Francine from Rainbow Tractors who are getting involved in the football versus homophobia campaign and are down at Portman Road on Saturday um, in the fan zone. So um, let's let's head over and speak to them. Welcome back to Francine from Rainbow Tractors who is here to tell us, well, it's always good to Good to chat, but you are here with a mission and a purpose and some exciting events happening over the next few days um, for yep. Football v Homophobia, which yes. um, runs for the whole of February. Tell us all about it. Uh, so Football versus Homophobia is a completely separate group from the Rainbow Laces, which is Stonewall. <clears throat> so this is a group who work with football clubs specifically um, in order to get homophobia out of football. Um They've got their awards month this month as well. So there's been some groups and some clubs, professional clubs, nominated for their work they do. Um, so, yeah, it's just all about working with football clubs and raising awareness to kick homophobia out of football and make football more inclusive. And I think I did a little bit of research beforehand, and I think there's a link between this campaign and the uh, – is it um, the Justin – um campaign as well related to just in fashion obviously and as as a club and unfortunately as a fan base we've got some unfortunate history there so that brings to me kind of the sharp focus of, of why we yeah, need to kind of do um, these things definitely those chants and it's you know it's not just you know that chant in particular that um has unfortunately been heard this season but it's you know the ones that directed at even chelsea players and things this yeah. season as well um this year's focus is all about language as well um so it's thinking about what words we shouldn't be shouting 
onto the pitch and um why particularly when it comes to like the younger generations why are you saying that's so gay in a negative way is not okay because obviously putting negative connotations to being gay can cause um people some quite um discomfort and upset so the focus this year is all about raising awareness of the language that we use and educating people on maybe the origins of what they're saying and why it's not okay yeah and we've and we've talked before about making port monroe a place where everyone is welcome and I, I, as you say that kind of education thing is largely because a, a lot of people listening to this will will have let something out subconsciously and maybe not even considered the consequences of it so we can all use some education on this kind of stuff and and rainbow tractors you guys have got some sounds like some really exciting stuff happening over the weekend and and you can't reveal um who but an ambassador hopefully to be announced um, after yes. this show has come out so we can't yes our first official um player ambassador is going to be announced um yes very exciting I've been pushing for it for a while and now got um, got there. So hopefully the first of um, some ambassadors and support from both the men's and the women's team. Fantastic. Right. And you'll be at Portman Road on Saturday as well. Yes. Well, obviously you're in... always at Portman Road. <laughs> I'm Saturday, always at Portman Road. But... Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't at the Accrington game, actually. I was in London that day. My mum booked oh, I didn't want to... I wasn't taking, like... No. You're a teacher <laughs> as well. I wasn't normally, taking a set of class. I'm yeah. normally, I'm normally am at the game, but my mum booked tickets to the theatre instead that day. Um, didn't mum didn't check... Yeah, 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 didn't check the fixture list. Um, yeah, I'm going to be in the fan zone before the game. Um, and, again, I'm going to have got rainbow laces. Um, yeah, I've got the T-shirts. And I've got our pin badges as well. Brilliant. Um, which I'll be selling um pin badges and laces are free but donations are accepted and appreciated um and yeah, i'm happy to ask answer questions as well um any questions people have about the campaign about the group how they can get involved i'm happy to stand there and answer any questions people have um and i'll just say that all money raised from our merchandise is going towards future merchandise and i'm hoping to have some new merchandise out soon once it, yeah i've seen money. some t-shirts and stuff like that and yeah, yeah. we've got t-shirts and pin badges at the moment um because i got them for got them for free through the football supporters association they funded Brilliant. that so all future merchandise is going to come through sales raised um i'm also hoping to have something to auction off um a couple of things to auction off soon as well so um that's a bit more of a te another teaser just oh. to see. Um, see we're not trusted um to reveal things you know <laughs> reveal the uh, the player identity um but we i like the teasers and we'll direct people where can they find more information uh on our twitter instagram and our facebook which is at rainbow tractors um and you can also email us um which is rainbow tractors 21 at gmail.com Rainbow Tractors um, 21 at gmail.com. Yes. And I'm happy at to Rainbow Tractors on yeah. And we'll do some retweeting as well from the Blue Monday account as yep. well. Um, so, yeah, brilliant stuff. And yeah, at the fan zone, no chance of a guest appearance maybe at the Greyhound. I know that's a uh, not, regular not pre match this, haunt. Not this time because I've got to be in the no. fan zone from 12. Um, I oh, am hoping okay. to have a, another social, pre match social at the Greyhound. Um, in a couple of weeks it's just working out which game is best for that um and hope hopefully we can get some of the other groups involved as well of opposition fans um fantastic. Yeah, great. yeah friendly oh. rival that's what we want yes. fantastic <laughs> so um keep a lookout on rainbow tractors at rainbow tractors twitter on friday just after this has come out for the actual reveal of the player ambassador which we're super excited about it sounds like more planned there as well. Other people involved in the club too. And obviously you can give Francine and the group your support as well. Um, follow, buy some merch, go and say hi in the fan zone. Brilliant. Anything else? Any other secrets or any other teases you want to no, do? No, not that I can think of. No, okay. <laughs> We're always welcome to be your platform for uh, 
for secret reels. We always like the excitement. Um, but for now, Francine, thank you so much and good luck for the Saturday. Thank you very much. Joining us from ITFC Women is Kieran Stanley. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, hello, Rich. Doing well, thanks, mate. Uh, thanks for having me back on the podcast. Um, good weekend away in Newcastle. Yes. Um, but it's nice, it's nice to be back down in Suffolk after spending the weekend in the uh, the far north of the country. Yeah, up in the cold. And I'm, I'm sure all business as well. You know, you don't go to Newcastle for a night out or anything like that. But a professional display, a clean sheet, a goal for... Um, Lucy O'Brien, who we obviously give our full backing. We give everyone our full backing, but obviously we look out for Lucy just as much as we look out for Laffy. Um, and a real great um, a great cup tie and a great outcome for Ipswich because Newcastle, as we talked about before, going um, really great guns in their division. Yeah, it was a really tough game and we always knew it was going to be a tough game regardless of, of Newcastle being a division below us. As you mentioned, they're, they're flying in that league and and they made it really, really difficult for us. I mean, there wasn't really an awful lot of shots in the game. Uh, it was very, very cagey, very well fought, a real, real tough battle. And particularly the last 15 minutes of the game when Newcastle were throwing the kitchen sink at us and there was numerous corners and throw-ins and whatnot. And you had 2,700 rowdy Geordies roaring them on. I mean, it was a new experience for us to be able to, to deal with that. And uh, I think we did that magnificently well, um, stayed firm, didn't allow them to to get in, so yeah, that was that was a real positive for us. But yeah, as you mentioned, um, a great goal from Lucy O'Brien to wing it, uh, win it. Sorry, uh, one hell of a strike on her left foot, quick shift, whipped it in the top corner, um, and that's a goal worthy of winning any cup tie. So uh, yeah, we're delighted with the win. Um, absolutely uh, buzzing with the experience. I mean, we don't get to play in front of crowds of nearly three thousand every week. That's the that's the biggest crowd we've ever played in front of. Um, and, and a massive credit to those town fans that have made the journey up to Newcastle from Sheffield the previous day or from wherever they came from. Some of them may have came from Suffolk uh, as well directly. So, um, yeah, amazing effort. Um, an away end um, formed behind the goal with multiple whip switch flags. And, uh, yeah, I, I, actually, um, I actually sat and watched the game in the stands with Lee O'Neill, who had uh, travelled up to, oh. to watch the game. And uh, when I first met him at the ground, he uh, I obviously you know, brought him for the players' entrance and whatnot. And um, he was like, how many town fans have travelled up? And I was like, well, wait until you walk around this corner and you'll see. And he was just like, oh, my God. Like, so it's, we're making massive strides. Um, to be 300 miles from home and have that kind of backing is, is incredible. So, yeah, really grateful for that. Yeah, brilliant stuff. And hoping for, I mean... I think probably 3,000 might be a stretch for the next round, but we've we've equaled our furthest progression in the FA Cup, hoping to go one better in a tie against a side we're very familiar with and have beaten this season. Yeah, I think firstly, like I said to Joe in the pre-match build-up to, to Newcastle, that I, I, I asked him whether this cup run had gone under the radar a little bit because a couple of years ago, although we played more fixtures in the competition, it was like, oh my God, look at this team, you know, progressing through through the cup, they've beaten three high division sides and it hasn't quite been like that this time round, but we've still got to the same stage and it's kind of like hit us in the face and been like, oh wow, we've, we've done it again, um, which is which is amazing. Um, and obviously, you know, the draw on Monday and we were all listening into talk sports to, to see that and then like, when Chelsea came out at home and we were thinking, oh no, here we go. Um, it was going to be like that. And also the last two teams in the, in the, in the hat after us were Arsenal and Liverpool. So, that could have been that could have been interesting, but yeah, it's Southampton. Um, for me personally, I think it's a little bit dull. Um, it, it's just because obviously we've played them. Well, we're due to play them twice in the league. Obviously, we played them once, beat them once. They knocked us out of the league cup. So four meetings in one season is a little bit, you know, a little bit of a damp squib. But um, it obviously, provides an excellent opportunity to get through. I think both teams will really fancy their chances having won one game each. And to have a third-tier team in the quarterfinals would be absolutely incredible. So, look, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go into that game full of confidence and um, and hopefully we can break our club record, get to the quarterfinals and and hopefully even further than that. That'd be great. And and lots of debate. I mean, we I put a clip out yesterday on um, 
Tuesday, a lot of people clamouring for the tide to be played at Portman Road. And then there's lots of logistical reasons um, why that can't happen, not least the pitch at Portman Road. And we spoke to Joe about that a few weeks ago as well. But a real opportunity and a real hope that people are going to swarm on the Gold Star ground in a few weeks' time because, um, it's a, as Joe was saying in our interview, it's a great day out. Um, the logistics are pretty good in terms of being able to park adjacent or being able to get a train. And obviously, Felix does, if you fancy a bit of a pre or post match, Felix does not too bad. Is it? So, we're hoping that lots of people will turn up on the 27th, won't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I can, I can fully understand the, the calls for, for Portman Road. Um, as you've seen in the Women's FA Cup over the last couple of rounds, there have been a lot of games that have been at stadiums. Obviously, we just played at a rugby stadium and although it wasn't a, a football league or a premier league ground, it was, it was really good. Um, so I completely understand that. And there, and the, and the time will come where we will take to Portman road and play a fixture. But I don't know, for me, I feel like this, this one is less appealing. I feel like if we were given the choice between playing this game at Portman road or the Southampton league game later in the season, we'd choose the league game. Um, so that's, that's my personal opinion. It's just that that's way more important. Um, so yeah, uh, for me, I think this is a great opportunity to to pack out Felixstowe and get into four figures. Um, the last time we played Southampton there, I think it was 619 we had through the door. So I don't see any reason why we couldn't get into four figures. Um, obviously, the men are away that weekend, I believe, to Morecambe. Um, so, you know, if you're not making the long journey up to the to the northwest, uh, obviously there's an opportunity to come watch us on the Sunday. And obviously, with a place in the quarterfinals on the line, that, that makes it very appealing. So... Yeah, that should be a really, really good game, really good atmosphere. I mean, Newcastle showed what 2,700 people could do in terms of atmosphere on Sunday. Um, so, you know, I'm sure at the Gold Star ground where the, you know, the crowd are right on top of you, it's really tight and compact. If we get four figures in there, the atmosphere will be phenomenal and it'll be a great day. Yeah, kicking the advertising or hitting the advertising audience. I, d- I don't think I should be kicking or um, advertising, kicking the advertising audience, but making noise nevertheless. Much easier, I think, at the Gold, the gold Star than it might be at Portman Road. Um, however, we need to say that we do have uh, the league action continues. Um, and last time out, frustration at home to Gillingham, who certainly were very happy with their performance and their nil-nil. Um, frustrating us, I guess, is is the aspiration of quite a lot of teams at our level. And I guess MK Dons will be hoping for similar on, on Sunday. Yeah, so MK Dons, I think they're four points off safety. Um, so they're in a relegation dogfight at the moment with the likes of Cardiff, Plymouth, Keynesham, Chichester. So th- th- they're going to be scrapping for their lives. Um, we've played them twice already this season, beaten 3-0 in the league and 2-0 in the FA Cup. But they always make it really difficult. And I, I think after we beat them in the league earlier in the season, we kind of thought, quite surprised that they're down there, to be honest. But ever since then, you look at their record and they've, they've beaten Hounslow a couple of times, but they've only picked up one more win against another team. So they just struggle to win. They struggle to score goals. Um, so we've got to go there and get the job done. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, obviously, we've, we've dropped points on a couple of occasions this year um, with, with the draws against Plym- um, Portsmouth and, and Gillingham. So we need to we need to get this game won. Uh, but we know it's not going to be easy because, as I said, MK will be fighting for their lives down there. They'll be desperate to get something off of us. Um, the game was originally due to be played at Stadium MK, but now they've moved it to a li- little non-league ground. I think it's Wooden Blue Cross FC, which is what they did when they played Southampton. So I think there, there might be a little bit of... Um, they might be trying to gain a little bit of advantage by not playing in a stadium because obviously big pitch in a stadium, you're more likely to get to get dominated by a better team um, that like to dominate the ball. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of a... <laughs> I can use the word. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of the word without trying to sound too harsh. But yeah, maybe, maybe I said it. <laughs> gain a competitive advantage from, from moving it to an on-league ground, scrap it out on a worse pitch. But nevertheless, it'll, it'll be a... Uh, It'll be a tough game, and we'll go to to Wooten, and we'll uh, we'll do our best to win the game. Fingers crossed, yeah. Um, and we were just talking before we started recording. A bit of a stretch now until the next home game. The next home game is Southampton, isn't it? But um, April, sorry, March through to April, um, as the season kind of draws to a crescendo. There's some big games in there. Obviously, we've mentioned Southampton in the league. Um, but um, support home and away definitely appreciated and um, mentioned True Blue while we're here. Obviously, probably not a huge amount of interest in that until maybe towards the end of the month for Southampton. But um, March, April, you can fill your boots with your True Blue membership, can't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, like, at the moment, we've got four of our next five games away from home. Um, there's been quite a lot of fixture changes. But as you mentioned, I think as of mid-April, uh, sorry, mid-March, we've got five home games on the bounce. Um, two of them are against Oxford and Southampton in the league. Um, so there's, there's a real opportunity to get some real value for money um, by, by coming down to them. Obviously, True Blue, minimum of £5 a month. Um, so, yeah, you're going to get incredible value for money with five home games in a row. So, yeah, um, it's going to be an exciting time. Obviously, it's different having you know played four out of five away from home on the bounce and uh, and then going into five home games, especially when you think that we've just been to Newcastle and we've just been to Keensham and... Yeah, it's a bit of a strange schedule, but um, yeah, looking forward to having five home games in a row. Definitely, that's going to be um, it's going to be interesting. Yep. Um, ITFCwomen.co.uk is it for all the details about True Yeah, that's yep. right. Fantastic stuff, Kieran. As always, great to chat. Um, no plenty of optimism around the team, and we wish them all the best for Sunday. No worries. Thanks, Rich. There you go. Um, thank you to Kieran. Thank you to Francine. Let's talk about Gillingham because it's a weird situation here. Um, on this show, we like to do lots of research um, and we've got some stats and some research, but frankly, all of this is kind of up in the air because of um, the sacking of Steve Evans and the, and the appointment of Neil Harris. Any reflections on that kind of situation? Not a surprise, I guess. No, no, it wasn't a surprise because, like I say, whether people love or hate Steve Evans, and I think more people fall into the latter category rather than the former, I, I don't think it can be denied that he is a very good manager at this level. He's, he's done really well at League One and League Two. Even he's done okay in the championship with a variety of clubs, Rotherham's, Doncaster's, um, Stevenage, I think it was. Um, but he's he's always done a good job here. You you always see a team of his generally punch above their weight and when, when you look at the last two seasons, while we've finished 11th and 9th, Gillingham have finished 10th and 10th. And so we've equaled Gillingham over the last two years and their budget is an absolute fraction of what we've done, which is testament to the job Evans has done. But when I saw the performance they put it against us, I said, and by the time we did the pod, he'd already been sacked, but I'd been saying to people on the sort of way home and that, that just did, they just did not look like a Steve Evans side. You, you know exactly what you're going to get from him and it's going to, it's going to be a bit nasty, but they're going to be hard working and they're going to run their nuts off and they're not, they're not going to give anything where it just felt like we were just playing a disorganized rabble that didn't really seem to have much. I don't know. They, they didn't seem to be playing for the manager and it was no surprise to me that he was sacked the next day after, after that performance. And sort of when you see the results around, he, maybe he's just, had given up there. I don't think Paul Scally's the easiest chairman to work for, and it just seemed no. like he'd come to the end of it. He'd been linking himself with Stevenage's job previously in League Two. He'd been wanting to get out of there, so it's just uh, wasn't a wasn't a surprise that he went. But I was surprised when they appointed Neil Harris because I I was like I said, if, if you think the last the last time he was in this division, he got Millwall promoted, he kept them up for a couple of years, and then he went to Cardiff, which were a sort of parachute payment. Real not top top championship club, but a top end championship team was the last job he got, and now he's dropping down to Gillingham. I know he's from around that way, sort of Kent that way, but very very surprised they managed to get him there. And I think it's a real a real coup for them to get him there. But yeah. it's sort of, it's it's almost glad, um, almost good that they had the midweek game to get the sort of new manager bounce, the sort of seven <laughs> yeah. games defeats in a row or something similar, wasn't it? And then they um sort of beat crew on Tuesday, Wednesday night. And um, it's almost, like I say, it's, it's, I'm glad that they've got that one out of the way because then I say, there's not that pressure on them to get that win against us sort of with a new manager game. No matter whether Harris had a lot to do with that game or not, we don't know. But Yeah, well, lots of extenuating circumstances we can talk about on, on, on that game. Yeah, and I mean, worth worth talking, you know, Steve Evans was nearing something like 700 games as a, as a manager, which is pretty top going when you think about it Neil Harris I, I was surprised by this obviously one time Millwall and Cardiff boss um, one time Bucky's favourite for the Ipswich Town job um, there's a slight indoors moment for you right there um, but 311 games for Neil Harris as a manager and an overall win percentage of around 40% is nothing to be sniffed at and I wonder Joe whether there's a kind of a sense from him of getting on the merry-go-round the managerial merry-go-round because otherwise if you're out there in the market for too long, people start looking past you, don't they, for jobs? Yeah, and I, I haven't, I haven't looked at um, to see how long his contract is at Gillingham. But is it just, I don't know, is it something that runs to the end of the season for him? If he can just get in and somehow contrive to keep them up, he sort of does his reputation a 
no harm. But I say this was a team that were losing up to players to Colchester and teams like that in the summer transfer window. There's not a lot of money there. And I say when you see where Harris had been working previously at Cardiff, some of the sort of wages they paid, it's a big surprise that he's dropped down that drop down to them but I didn't I didn't expect an upgrade when they sacked Steve, Steve Evans I thought they'd probably get to take a cheap option do something in-house just yeah, something to see them through to relegation so I was really surprised that they've got Neil Harris and, it, and it, I just googled it two and a half year deal um, and mm. David Livermore joining him as well which is a good appointment for his backroom team as, there as well I mean mm. Joe has kind of mentioned the crew match we'll talk about that in a second but we're setting the scene here in respect of where Gillingham find themselves. And it's not drastically dissimilar to when we played them um, earlier in the year. 23rd um, in League One, eight points from safety, having played a game more than the team in 20th, which is AOC Wimbledon. Overall this season, four wins, 10 draws, 15 defeats and a goal difference of negative 27. Um, 23rd in the form table, Joe, all of these kind of things, um, you know, stack up. And there, and there becomes a point where, regardless of, you know, the situation on Wednesday or Tuesday against Crew. These are we'll talk about the the waveform by the way as well. But there's a there's a, a, a base of evidence that suggests that they'll struggle against us on Saturday. You have to hope. Yes, and it's it's not just that really. When when you look at our the running we've got to the season, if we, like I say we we've still got an outside shot of the playoffs. And I think it is very much an outside shot of the playoffs when you see the teams around it. But we're going to need to get. I think you're going to you're going to be looking at 78 79 points this year I think to get sixth place and if we want to do that that means we need to get 38 points in our last 17 games which means you've just got to you can't drop points in games yeah. in games like this and it's going to be the same when we play Doncaster on Tuesday you have to get six points from these next two games there's there's just no excuse not to do so and I don't know I think like I said we've had sort of a few sort of Bit of impetus under McKenna, two wins, and it's been two wins and a defeat, two wins and a defeat, and we need that. What two points a game is is good, it's brilliant. That would that would win you the league if you start the season from like that. But that's that's not where we are. We are chasing the playoffs, and we've got a hell of a lot of work to do. And it's just a, a simple must-win game tomorrow. And there's there's no way you can countenance dropping points against Gillingham at home. And, and maybe a lot of people feeling down after the Sheffield Wednesday performance. Let's not pretend the Sheffield Wednesday are a, a, a mugs to borrow a mechanism there. Um, you know, there was always the possibility we were going to drop points to Sheffield Wednesday. It's disappointing we didn't get a draw, but the idea that suddenly... It's more that we could have a single you know, shot on target though, isn't it? It was a very yeah. I, 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 and so, yeah, poor performance I, really, wasn't it? I get that, but this is a team that has off days occasionally, but when it comes down to it, and typically at home... We generally turn up, and McKenna will will want to regain that form. We'll, we none of none of the people involved at the club will want the season to peter out. So, yeah, they'll be looking to get things back on track. Um. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, some other bits and pieces on, on Gillingham to, you know, the win against Crew was their first win against anyone since the 19th of October. Also 1-0. Um, win 17 games in between those two victories um, in League and Cup. I mean, that's pretty uh, chunky there. This crew win, Joe, I mean, we've got some stats here on this. It did feel like it was a narrow margin victory. Darren Drysdale, who we know from um, uh, Alan Judge wrestling and uh, whatever, um, if you, uh, pissed off David Artel. And did you see the penalty? That they all no, had? no, I didn't see the penalty. A defender slides in and the ball hits, seems to hit him on the hands and he's given us a handball. Um, he was not happy, but yeah, 32% possession against 68% possession. That's Gilling him to crew, um, nine shots to 16. Yeah, I spoke to a couple of people who were at the game and they said that sort of Gilling him with a better side in the first half. And the main reason was that Mustafa Carriol, formerly of this parish, was excellent. Yeah. And he was sort of carried it forward. He's but the most advanced player, yeah. As he was when he was here and it has been a lot over the last few years, he got injured. He was stretched off before half time and from that point they lost their thrust. So I can't imagine that if he's been stretched off on. Wednesday evening, or was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't remember. But if, if he's been stretched off midweek in the first half, I can't imagine he's going to be fit to play. And and like I say, his body's just let him down too many times. But people keep giving him chances because he can be a brilliant player, as he showed for us away at Preston before we had to go off ill that day. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame for him. But like I say he, he's probably not going to be playing tomorrow, and he was their main threat. But even uh, the guy said sort of crew were on top in the second half, but without really create creating anything. And the only the biggest chance of the half was Vidane Oliver hit the post with a header. So yeah. it's a uh, it's a case that they 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 definitely did enough to win against Crew, and they're sort of happy to concede possession of the ball. But they are going to miss Mustafa Carrier. Yeah, and, and we know that you know Neil Harris's teams aren't necessarily about the possession. I mean. Again, we'll try. We, everything we say is caveated by the fact that there's a new manager and things might be chucked up in the air. But you've got some offensive stats, Joe, there from their away form. Do you want to kind of talk us through that? Because, again, it doesn't make happy reading for Gillian. Yeah, well, the, like I said, they've had 30 yellow and three red cards away from home. Only one team in the division is worse than that. And when you look at the stats, they're big on aerial duels. And, and that, that's how they play. They, they're a basic team that gets the ball from front to back. And Neil Harris... He, I'm not, he's not as long ball a manager as others are. I know he has a sort of bit of a reputation for that, but you, you can't come into a team like this and try and change things too quickly. Mm. You've got to take a pragmatic route, which you will have. They're sort of the lowest possession team in the league, the second lowest pass accuracy, accuracy side in the league. They barely have many shots. They just, they just, they're just a poor side, really. There's, if you look at the stats, there's no, there's no stat that you can pick out which, which makes you worry about playing them, but. This is Ipswich, so yeah. nothing's ever that simple. But if if we've got any hopes of sneaking into that playoffs this year, this is a game you just you got to turn up and you got to win, and you've got to win comfortably and put on a decent performance. Yeah, uh, one of my favourite stats you mentioned there is the um, the pass accuracy of sixty percent is the second worst in the league. We mentioned this on the previous Gillingham pod. Um, Wickham are still 24th. For anyone who remembers that, um, I find it crazy that Wickham are in the top six with the worst pass accuracy in the division. But hey ho, that's League One for you. Um, XG for any fans of XG, um, Gillingham's defensive record away from home. They've got the highest XGA, expected goals against of anyone in the division of 1.97, which is pretty stark. I mean, we, we haven't really talked about the Oxford debacle, which that's quite a head on that. There, yeah, Joe. Go. On. You, you can still get him. You can still get him. Um, but yeah, the issues away from home, which is probably more pertinent for us. Um, we've talked about that, and yeah, eighteen shots typically they concede away from home as well. Twentieth in the away league table, which is moderately better than their home situation, but only one win on the road, six draws, seven defeats. Um, do you want to talk us through some of the January transfer business, Joe? Any names there that? jump out we obviously knew about thomas dixon peters from norwich who's not really featured for them yet but a few bits and pieces of business yeah well, they picked up ben thompson from millwall who's sort of played under 
Neil Harris there before, but I don't think he's had a huge amount of football this year. So how fit is he going to be? You don't know. And it was just a loan market really from there. Charlie Kelman's an interesting one. I think he's, I think he had a loan spell somewhere else earlier this season, but he's, he's a player that scored a lot of goals. For... He was at Gillingham until November and he got them to terminate the loan because he wasn't getting enough game time. And okay. he's come back now that Steve Evans has left. Okay. Yeah. But he's, he's a player that's done well for QPR on a 23s over the years. And he's just, Sort of a decent player, and then you've this sort of got a new keeper on loan, but I don't know if he's one that's coming in to be a first choice Pontus Dalberg from Watford or whether is it Jack, who whoever Jack Bonham is going to stay in the sticks. I don't know. Yeah, so they had um, Jamie coming in goal. He was on loan from Chelsea. That loan was terminated, and he's gone to MK Dons. As oh, so most he's, of the been, he's been prospects. moved up effectively. Yeah, so it's uh, the keeper. Um, uh, who is it? I've lost my notes now. Pontus uh, Dalberg. Yeah, Aaron Chapman played against Crew. Um, he's mm. their senior kind of keeper at Gillingham. But yeah, it'd be weird that Pontus Dalberg signs from a Premier League club, albeit in name, um, and then doesn't feature. Mm. Um, any other bits of business there? I mean, um, outs are interesting, particularly. Yeah, Kyle Dempsey's yeah. A, a big one, isn't he? He was a regular starter for them, but now he's gone to Bolton for an undisclosed fee, I guess. I'd guess his contract was up in the summer and they just thought we're going to get relegated. We might as well just try and cash in, and get, a, get a small fee for him. But I, I don't know too much about it, to be fair. And Reese Bennett, he saw the iceberg and he went to Morecambe, which I don't think is a huge amount of a trade-up, but maybe he's from that part of the world. John mm. Akindigan to call you was a surprise. Um, I mean, he's not done much at Gillingham, but um, that's a drop-down. And he's, yeah, I mean, he's a solid backup option, isn't he? But... Yeah, he's always, a, he's always a, he's always he's always a. It's yeah. one of those ones. He sort of always gives a you sort of defends a difficult game. But then I remember going back to the Papa John's Trophy when we played them at Portman Road and Elkin Baggett and whoever he was at the back with, I can't remember, sort of dealt with him quite easily. And you thought that's that's, that's pretty good for a sort of a couple of young players to be dealing with. John Akinde, he's a player with bags and bags of football league experience, and he, he sort of knows how to rough a defender up. But no, he was out there and fine. And uh, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you by by saying it's always a shock when a non ex Ipswich player signs for Colu, isn't it? So there you go, yeah. no link. As far as we're aware, for Jonathan, and they maybe had a trial at some point. We try to, as uh, I keep caveating to cover our asses. We usually on the pre match show try to give a formation and a sp- suspected lineup. It's worth mentioning that there was a shift of formation to a three at the back from a four at the back, which Steve Evans had favoured. Um, a three, four, one, two, we think, on against Crew. I, I need to look up whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday. It was midweek. Uh, I suspect that might be um, a temporary situation, but there's a good chance, given they got the victory, that they'll keep with that. Um, they did use a narrow three at the back and got thumped by one to Rotherham. But I guess if it's not broke, don't fix it, Joe. And we've, we've talked about the goalkeeper, do you want to kind of talk us through who else featured um, on whenever it well, was? Well, they, um, they dropped Jack Tucker into the back three, who normally plays central sort of in, in midfield more than defensively. And he played with Max Emma and Connor Masterson, who's on loan from QPR at the back. But it's just when you look at the bits going forward, you've got Ollie Lee and Stuart O'Keefe in midfield. Again, Stuart O'Keefe is a player that's was at Ipswich as a very young kid. He's had a decent football league career, but... He's not sort of a player you particularly worry about. And then you've got Tatonda and McKenzie on the flanks. Danny Lloyd, who scored the goal, sort of just behind the strikers, which was Carriola and Charlie Kelman. And so you look at the team, there's not a player in there that you need to worry about, is there? And it's not, I say, without sounding, sort of, oh, we're a massive club, but not one of their players would get near our team, is it? And no. And that's why you've got to just win this game tomorrow. And... I'd say there's some. I'd say Ollie Lee's had a decent career. Charlie Kelman's doing okay. Cap, like Carriol, like how long has he been about for? He was when was he last good? This we're talking like when he was here. This that was you thought he was close to retirement. That was four or five years ago almost, wasn't it? And yeah, the last we'll see. But, but yeah, I mean, but we, big we, big V up front for Dane yeah, Oliver. Yeah, like him. But he's um he's been absent of late. Um, yeah, he's he'd been injured player. for a long time, hadn't he? And I think I think when we played them at Priestfield was his first game back from injury, and he looked a shadow with a player that had bullied us badly when we played them last year, and he got himself a couple of goals against us, and sort of got thirteen, fourteen in the league, and looked a real, real handful. But he he looked a shell of himself 
like I said, when we last played them, but the whole team did. But that was his first game back from a long-term injury, so it's hard to hard to sort of criticise too much on that. And I, I don't know how he's looked since then. He hit the post at, on Tuesday, it was. so. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he missed the two matches prior to Crew because his wife or his partner, sorry, gave birth. He's another footballer who had very little to do at the end of the season, um, seemingly, and um, his him partner in... Um, he, he, he and his partner, what English words, um, have welcomed a child. So that's obviously keeping him up late at night. You know all about that, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, as you say, he's not to be. He's not in peak, you know, um, peak fitness, and he will inevitably start given the absence of carry on. And, and in terms of reserve, there's not a huge amount to get excited about either, as you say. Um, Dan Phillips worth giving him a shout out after his. Um, yeah. Very um, petulant performance against us. <laughs> well, I looked up his stats afterwards, didn't he? And he basically has been booked in nearly every game he played. And yeah. he twice, he'd been sent off earlier in the season for two yellows and a red when the yellows, his first yellow was in like the 89th minute and he managed to get a second one after that. It was a temperament problem, I'd say, with him. Yeah, he's, um, I, I think he's had, he's came back in and then has been on the bench ever since. So um, I think, yeah, maybe they've got a bit sick and tired with him and as you, you mentioned ollie lee jackson Robbly uh, son, ryan yeah ryan jackson is a, a might come in as one of the wide options there but yeah there's a lack of goals in the wide positions as you say there's a, there's a lack of attacking threats through the middle as you Stuart o'keefe is is kind of more defensive minded than attacking minded there's just a lot of burden on the shoulders of the front two in this system isn't there that makes you think hopefully we'll have enough um, to deal with them and then it's all about us imposing ourselves Joe let's talk about how you think we'll line up obviously some news about Lee Evans he might have a late fitness test I suspect that would suggest he won't feature unless we absolutely have to play him no news of any other setbacks or any other injuries so it'd be good to get that experience back into the middle because that pair from last week didn't really work but hopefully Carol will be available as well yeah well whether you call it sort of three at the back or whether it shifts to a four at the back, I think you can sort of pretty much say Genoid and Ashton is either going to be right back or right centre back. Luke Wolfenden is going to start. George Edmondson is going to start and Dominic Thompson is going to start. So whether you, whether that's a back four or Wes Burns is in there as a right wing back, all those players are going to start in this in this game, aren't they? Unless yeah. there's any, unless I'll keep an eye on the Labour board at Ipswich Hospital over the Heath <laughs> just to see if there's any players going in there tomorrow because it does seem to be every Friday one turns up there. Um, and then it's, it's just availability midfield, isn't it? Sam Morsey's out. So it's going to be two from Backinson, Carroll, Evans and El Mazzuni. I'd imagine that I, I think Evans will play. I, I don't know why. I just think he he sounded like he was close last week. So I, I think he'll get the nod. I think we just missed him in there. Sort of not having him, nor more, neither him nor Morsi in there. I think you need one of those experienced heads and someone who can move the ball about well. So I think it will be Lee Evans in there. Tom Carroll. I, I don't know. It's just, it's difficult, isn't it? That, that does seem where without Sam Morsi in there, you, you do really miss a someone with a bit of oomph in there. I think probably Idris yeah. Elmazuni is probably best suited to come in for him. But I, I know he didn't have the best first half last week, but I did think he was the better of the two central midfielders out there. But whether whether he'll get another chance now, I'm probably not convinced that he will do. And then it's, I don't know, There's I know there's been a few questions asked from Macaulay Bond recently. And when he's got one goal in sort of 16, 17 games, maybe, maybe he does need a rest. Maybe someone does need to come in and whether that is James Norwood, maybe Joe Pickett gets a game. I don't know, but I, we can't, like I say, he's not getting a lot of chances, but he's still working hard. He's still doing what he needs to do for the team, but it is, it is difficult to see sort of him going there. So I'd, I'd probably be tempted to go with the Bash brothers up front of Bon and Norwood to get both of them on the pitch. But I do think Norwood with his goal record recently is probably sort of edging ahead in the pecking order for me. You mentioned that you think Dominic Thompson's a definite starter. I guess signing from Brentford on loan possibly makes him that. But Penny is returned from training. KVY is back from his ban. Um, you still think Erie Thompson? Yeah, it just back? hasn't. It hasn't really worked. KVY on the left has it? I think he's no. done okay. But I agree with Dave on this. He basically is our backup right wing back, isn't he? If if anything happens to Burns, I think 
KBY goes that side. And like there's there's some good things he does, and he's good when we're retaining the ball in sort of tight positions up the pitch. But it's just I think you do just want your players on their natural sides, and KBY just hasn't quite looked at it at all this season, really. I think he's had some good moments in games, but maybe just not been able to put the whole performances together. Do you want to give us a prediction, Joe? Scoreline? Um, I'll go for a 3-0 victory. Okay. With a goal from McCauley Bond, James Norwood and George Edmondson. Nice. Okay. I was going to go for a two. Uh, so you I, you see my two and you've raised me one to get it to three. So we shall find out um, what happens on the weekend. And we will, of course, um, be back on the flagship show to talk about it on Sunday. And it will be out Monday. That's Ben back in the host's chair along with Dave and Craig, is it? I think. No, I think it's this. me. I think it's me and Are Dave. Back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Craig, I think, is taxiing people, isn't he? I, I, so, but, but you know, this is behind the behind the curtain here. I'm the one that cajoles everyone to set their availability, and then everyone gives their availability, and then I completely forget all about it. So, three people who at least I think Joe should know out of anyone whether he's on. So Joe will be there. Ben will be there, and I think it's Dave as well. So Blue Monday itfc.co.uk for all the information on our shows where you can listen where you can watch where you can follow on instagram or on twitter on facebook and if you want to kindly support the channel through donations which we massively appreciate a lot of people did that on the pre-match this is the pre-match show the live show um on wednesday night which you can still watch as well we really appreciate that so thank you so much for folk who show their support that way and um particularly the the folk who do um the recurring monthly donations we really appreciate that uh, and worth also giving a shout out to our good friends at the greyhound um a few of us will be there on saturday pre-match the ultimate pre-match venue unless you happen um to be at portman road for your pre-match um situation as joe tends to be which is nice for him so yeah head down if to i wasn't greyhound. there i'd be at the greyhound there you go a, there's the chili, quote chili cheeseburger and a pint of ghost ship get yourself a danassian dog excellent stuff have i missed anything in the plugs joe i don't think so oh what i can mention um is uh february 16th which i think is a wednesday i want to say it's a wednesday um joe fairs david diamond rich woodward mark donaldson of paul mariner book my foot uh, my rock and roll football uh story life i think have you got a copy of it because i've mine's you, yours is right behind you i can see yeah, it. it just says paul mariner um there it is you can just about see it and um, we'll be doing our first book club podcast we haven't really figured out the format in any particular detail but i would say if you've read the book or if you are reading the book um come along get involved in the conversation if you've not read the book and want to find out more you could do much worse than listen to Mark Donaldson, who's already spoken to us before, but we'll drill into the book in more detail. There will be spoilers, obviously, though it's an autobiography, so hopefully the main events of Paul Mariner's life will be known to you. But a really good opportunity to hear from Mark about putting the book together and, and working with um, Paul, particularly in his later days. Um, and if you've not read time. the book, you've got two weeks to two weeks. get it read before then. There you go. So do Homework. it, because it's, it's well worth a read. It's a brilliant book, brilliantly done by Mark Donaldson, and just tells a great story of a great guy and a great footballer and a great life as well that's i think the big takeaway for me was finding out all about him and and some regrets in there and um some certainly some good stories about hanging around in ipswich in the 70s and 80s so join us on the february 16th for that more details on our twitter and the website on that the joe are you ready for your debut on sliding doors yeah i was going to break out with some turn back time there but... here we go i'll give you some turn back time right now And this won't mean anything whatsoever to Joe. It will mean something to Seb. Um, I'm back at top of the... Oh, I've not updated the position numbers. That's embarrassing. My Excel skills have failed me. But yeah, um, Chris Marsden, I think, did the job for me last week. Joe, any thoughts on um, Seb's UEFA Cup fair play in 0203 versus Chris Marsden and Southampton defeating us in 0102? Your thoughts on... Well, that Southampton defeat was just such a killer blow, wasn't it? That mm. we, we should never, ever have got relegated that year. When you when you look at the just the games there, seven wins out of eight over that Christmas period, we picked up 21 points in eight games. And it's like, how many teams do that any season in the Premier League? Probably your big teams do it. But and we've managed to contrive to get reggaeted from that position. And like I said, that Southampton game was such a killer blow. And it was just, 
Chris Messi Marsden waltzing <laughs> through the defence, and it is just crazy. So I, I would go with that one. Good choice, as did the majority of excellent people. So thank you for your votes. I appreciate that. After a long run of losing at Room 101, it's nice to be back in um, a good winning position. Now, I'm slightly fearful for myself because I'm taking a gamble this week. But I will. We, we are. Joe has. I've given um, Joe the opportunity to pick which era we're dealing with. And we are going with the aforementioned, actually, um, Mick McCarthy era. I will let you go first, Joe. Okay, so my sliding doors moment is at the start of the 2016-2017 season when there's rumours spreading that Daryl Murphy is not is not going to play in a certain game, that he's already picked his boots up from the training ground and that he's going up to Newcastle to sign for them. And whilst I don't think we could have stood in the way of, of that transfer of a 30-odd-year-old for three million quid going to Newcastle to earn a shed load of money, I think it was the right thing to do. But it was the opting not to replace him before the transfer window closed. Oh, it brings back bad memories, that picture, Rich. Sorry, Joe. But, um, in the tunnel, we, in his very tight-fitting Puma Nike shirt. Uh, yeah. Puma Newcastle shirt. And I, I just don't think that Mick McCarthy at the time realised how his position was as the manager of Ipswich Town because we'd obviously had a brilliant 14-15 season where we'd sort of scored 72 goals, finished sixth, 78 points, brilliant season. Then the following season was a little bit after the Lord's Mayor's show, but sort of the big issue was scoring goals. We only scored 53 goals that season. We finished seventh with 69 points, but it was almost a little bit false because we, we won the last two games of the season to put us there. But at the start of, I think the start of March, we had 12 games left that season and the next 10 games, we won one, drew six and lost three. And we scored and we were drawn against decent teams in that time. And they, they weren't all bad results, but we just stopped scoring. And I, I think that, Mick felt by the end of the season, by finishing seventh, he was a little bit bulletproof. He'd done a brilliant job and the fans loved him. And And I think he was starting to lose it a little bit with the fans. So the, the following season comes up, the start of 2016-17. We start the season well, one, two, drawn two, lost one from the first five, eight points, sitting in a decent position in the league. And then we sell Daryl Murphy and rather than replace him, he doesn't see that there's enough value in the market. So rather than replace him, he thinks, oh, well, I've got enough credit in the bank we'll just leave this till next season. And we leave it till next season. But by the by the time we get there, we finished 16th in the league. We've only scored 48 goals that season. We're never really in danger of going down. We sort of are grinding out enough points. I think there's a bit just before the end of the season where we draw six games. We beat Villa 1-0 away from home, draw six games in a row after that. But you're drawing against Brighton, Leeds, Norwich, decent sides. But we were just scrapping out points to get there. And... By this point, the, the fans have, have turned against McCarthy. He, he doesn't realise it, but the fans have gone. So when we get to the following season and he brings in the replacements, and Martin Waghorn, so Joe Garners, we start the season well. We win our first four games of the season and we lose at home to Fulham, sort of a unbelievable championship side, and we get booed off the pitch. And I think maybe at that point, the penny drops with Mick that he has lost the fan base. And for me, the time when he lost the fan base was just banking the Murphy money and thinking he's got enough credit in the bank to see him through till the next season. He never, ha he didn't have that credit in the bank and he didn't realise that. So I wonder if he'd have done it any differently. But for me, that's that's where the Mick McCarthy era ended or went wrong. I wonder whether, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people are going to be nodding along with that. I wonder in respect of the reinvestment whether Marcus Evans has got any blame here as well. well there was talk of, um, I think it was Connor Washington, but they wanted like, two million for him or two and a half million, but we didn't want to pay that. And I think Jordan Hugo, we really pushed for, but mm. couldn't get the deals done. But it was just a case where we, I, I don't know. I, I just think Mick had said to Marcus, don't worry, we won't go down this year. We'll, we'll wait till there's some more value in the market next year. And there was value. We got Joe Garner and Martin Waghorn for a combined 750,000 pounds, which is unbelievable business bearing season. in mind. Yeah. But the season was so bad. It was so yeah. boring. And, Maybe had we been worse and got into a proper relegation scrap and been able to fight out of it, the fans might have been a bit more behind it because it was just it was just boring, wasn't it? It was just boring, drawing every week, just making sure we stayed away from the relegation zone. And we had the sort of brilliant win against Newcastle at the end of the season where Daryl Murphy ironically scores for <laughs> Newcastle. And then at that point, we just lose the last two games. We just chuck him in away at Rotherham, send the reserves out and lose up there. And I don't know, it just felt that Mick, 
badly, badly misjudged what the fans were thinking at that point and misjudged how much credit he had in the bank. And as a, and then everything that leads on from there, Mick goes, Paul Hurst comes in and yeah. and three years later, we're stuck in mid-table of League One, still not looking like probably going up this year. So it's, it's interesting you were talking about credit in the bank and that kind of, and phrases like that. Um, it's a good opportunity for me to introduce mine. I've, I'm pushing this even further and I'm pushing the bounds of credibility here, which is why I think it's a gamble. But the reason why I'm going for it is for the reason you exactly said is because this event, I think, is is the start of the dominoes falling that leads to the appointment of Paul Hurst, which leads to relegation. And it's the F-off at Norwich in celebration of our late winning goal that is then cancelled out with an even later equaliser. The reason I go for this, and I do agree with you that the credit in the bank had been lost before them, is I don't think it was beyond repair. And I do think that if Mick um, had tried to ingratiate himself a little bit more with the sport, a bit more humility, which I think is obviously not in his wheelhouse, I do think, you know, Marcus Evans, I think, was pretty clear that he wanted to retain Mick McCarthy at the end of that season and would have given him a new deal. And Mick, I think, might have entertained it. But that moment at Norwich, I think, just re- removed that option from the table, which meant that um, that we had to recruit a new manager. And I do think, because of the re- there's such the the violent reaction to the, in the fan base to Mick, I think Marcus Evans felt like he needed to appease us, not only with Mick walking away, which was ultimately his decision at the end when he went after Barnsley, but to then appoint the the kind of up and comer, and you know a highly favoured low league manager who's got you know, different ideas and go for Paul Hurst. And I think that whole ending with Mick telling the sports to fuck off, which is crap, and apologies for the F-bomb, by the way, I should have warned everyone before that, um, I think is is a really bad, uh, that's a really sad day in the history of our club when the manager does that and then bullshits his way out of it afterwards. But I do think if that hadn't happened, you know, sod's law, we possibly don't, you know, karma... There's no karmic retribution with Tim Close's late equaliser. Maybe we don't end up with Paul Hurst. Maybe we don't go down. And that's why I'm going for it. But I do understand why a lot of people might say the balance would already tip well beyond the point of return before that moment. But I think that sealed the deal and meant that we had no other option. There you go. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm probably in the camp that thinks it was sort of too far gone by that stage. There was there was too much. Like I, say, I remember the Fulham game. I was slightly before that, and the Brentford game that followed it. And it was just there was a, and and a lot of this was McCarthy's fault. And I, I, yeah. I don't say that to excuse the fans because I think some of the fans' conduct was totally out of order and not befitting of our club. But I say when we beat Nottingham Forest at home, we beat them at home four two. Brilliant performance. Really, really good game to watch. I think Daryl Murphy played for Nottingham Forest that day, even as well, just to bring it full circle. But even after the game, rather than sort of the I, McCarthy's press conference, is like, I still remember Mick McCarthy, your football this year. I still remember you don't know what you're doing, and he just he just couldn't let it lie. And I think he was. I think his biggest frustration was maybe that he was the lightning rod for all the criticism and I think he could point to his the job he was doing and say I'm doing a good job because the budget I've got in the league is here and I'm getting us here every year like and and I and I'd, I'd said the same and I, whilst I agreed it was it was time for me to go I, I did say to people I said like you think last season was a bad season when we finished 16th that that's not a bad season if a team with our budget has a bad season they get relegated and Lo and behold, the following year under Paul Hurst, we get relegated. We finish below a Bolton side who are in administration and playing the kids. And we we are sort of one of the worst sides the championship's ever seen that top season. Ten in Ben's top 10 list. Just, just, just that, because yeah. we have a bad season. When, we, when, when you've got a low budget, the margin for error is very small. And I say, we, I say it's a failure of the football administration of the club and of the football manager of the club and... I don't know. It was a strange one, but I, I think we were too far gone, and I don't. I don't think we could have. I don't think there was any coming back from Mick from there without the crowds becoming sort of next to nothing. And now we're taking seven thousand to Milton Keynes on a well, Saturday exactly afternoon. right in League, in League One. And as the the words of Harry Harry from Bath are ringing in my ears, owners 
relegate clubs and certainly both Joe and, and my offerings have got a, definitely a sense of Marcus Evans um, failing as well in there as well as negative situations regarding mixed tenure but we'll put the vote out on Twitter for you guys and you can decide and um, and that's how democracy works so we shall see how we get on and um, yeah and we'll and any excuse to play a little bit more aqua as well That is your lot. Thank you if you've made it this far. Um, thank you to Joe for all of your insight and contribution. Um, and thank you to Kieran Stanley. And good luck to ITF's Women, Women Against MK Dons on Sunday. Thank you to Francie from Rainbow Tractors. Give them your support. Give them a follow on Twitter. Get involved in Football v Homophobia. and go and see her in the fan zone. And um, as always, um, give your support to the Greyhounds the best pub in Ipswich, quote from me. There you go. Um, head down there on um, Saturday for some pretty much um, merriment. Um, Joe, as a, once again, thank you. And I, I will politely let you have the final word. I'm sure you'll be excited about that. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I don't really know what to say, but Kieran McKenna's blew my army up the league. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.